This is The Gum Guru with Dr. Macon Singletary from North Raleigh Periodontics. This is a show about keeping your teeth and gums healthy and how a healthy smile affects your overall health. Today's episode is called, How Do You Know If You Need a Gum Graft? There's more to it than meets the eye. Welcome to The Gum Guru with Dr. Macon Singletary. I'm Jason Kong. Thank you so much for joining us. We always appreciate you listening and downloading our podcast. Today, as you just heard, we're going to be talking about how do you know if you need a gum graft? And first, I'll start off with you, Dr. Singletary. How are you doing? How's everything in your world? Oh, it's crazy busy. You know, got daughters are having babies, so being a grandfather for the first time is phenomenal. Well, congratulations <laughs> to you and your family. I know that's such an exciting time, and anytime you mention it, you've got a big smile on your face. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll have to dig into that a little bit more, maybe next episode. <laughs> but let's let's start with gum grafts, Doctor Singletary, and I guess we'll start with the basics. What is a gum graft? Good question. Gum soft tissue grafting or gum grafting. There's donor tissue that you can get from a donor, dermal, epidermal grafts, or your own tissue, autogenous tissue, and I would prefer autogenous tissue because it heals better, looks better. The things that determine if a patient needs a graft, what I do if I get a referral from a dentist and they say, please evaluate for grafts or soft tissue grafting, I'll ask the patient, say, did you notice this or is this something your provider is concerned about? It makes a difference because the three things I look at to determine if a person needs a graft is the position of the tooth, there's a bone on the front of the tooth and the character of the gum. Is it thick or thin? Thin biotype, prominent root, no bone is a recipe for recession, depending on several factors. Those factors are, and I can enumerate, it's multifactorial. Uh, there are things I look at and blend. But I blend the x-rays and my oral exam and the position of the teeth, the bite, and as well as the medical history. When you look at a person's bite, almost 60%, 75% of the patients are coming in that are asking about, or there is a, a request for consult about grafting, have had orthodontic therapy. And so when orthodontists position teeth in the jawbone, it's really a, a good thing in a sense because they're looking at the alignment of the what we call the vertical forces of occlusion along the long axis of the tooth. It makes the tooth last longer um, and there's less pressure laterally on the tooth if we can line them up. But sometimes getting the teeth lined up doesn't necessarily mean the, butt, the teeth are going to be right in the middle of the maxillary bone or mandibular bone. They're going to be out of the bony housing a little bit. And then you got the muscles that are attached to the upper jaw and to the lower jaw, the upper jaw relationship to the lower jaw. And then within that framework, you got people who uh, have high-stress jobs. They clench the teeth. There's a tension release mechanism. Um, tooth pressure abrasion, food abrasion, the medical history, what kind of medication are they taking, and is, does it affect uh, gingival tissue regrowth or health? Or just our body is not static. It's dynamics. It's constantly changing over. So the things that I'm looking at is, one, is their potential for further recession. You mentioned something interesting. You mentioned speaking with the patients who bring this up with you. You know, is this something that you notice or something that the dentist noticed? Why is that so important? Well, some individuals are like Michael Strahan. He's got the diastem between his front teeth. He could care less. I mean, that's part of his mantra, I guess. Right. Uh, 
and and he's comfortable with that. He eats okay, feels good about it. And patients may be the same way. They may have recession and teeth look long. And so there's the two kinds of recession. There's bone recession where the gum is thick and you get a pocket. Gingival tissue recession where the gum is thin as they, and the, if the tooth is out of the bony housing, you get a long looking tooth. Now, some people don't show that when they smile. Or if they do, you know, it's not important to them. So I look at that to determine if the dentist is concerned about that maybe they're going to have some orthodontic therapy or they're, you know, they're concerned about the potential for this may get worse over time and could they lose the tooth. And so it's, it's a, a kudos to the dentist who gets the referral to just help cover the patient and make them feel comfortable. Okay, this is going to be okay. Having another pair of eyes look at it. But if the patient says, hey, I don't like this tooth looking long, then I have to sort of look at those factors and say, this is not going to get worse. Sometimes it's sensitivity to hot and cold. You know, they say, this, you know, I'm sensitive to hot and cold. Well, doing, covering the roots, I mean, there, there are different procedures, different kind of gum grafts. But a root coverage graft does not necessarily mean that the sensitivity to hot and cold will go away. There are grafts for aesthetics. I always look at it from a functional point of view and, and couch it that way. But if somebody says, you know, I got long teeth, what can we do? Then I'll coach them along what can be done that would satisfy their concern and also will it get worse? Yeah, I understand why that's such an important question. You mentioned there are different types of gum grafts. Can you go over those? Yeah. So one is a an unattached graft. We call it a free soft tissue autogenous graft. So we use the palatal tissue as donor. And so that palatal tissue is a thick biotype. So that genetic seeding to the area that when we place it, it's like grass sod, so to speak. The grass seeds the tissue that it's sitting on, and it grows out. The top layer sort of sloughs off, and the bottom layer grows out thick gum, that, that kind of gum tissue from the palate. So grafting from the palate to the area donor, the recipient area. Then there's what we call a lateral graft, where we, if you got thick gum adjacent, and you can sort of rob Peter to pay Paul and not affect Peter, but you, it has its own blood supply. That's the whole crux of the our graft growing is that it has blood supply. If a free soft tissue graft is sitting on root surface, it may not cover that because there's no blood coming out of that resurface. you got to get blood to it. But the free soft tissue graft, the lateral graft, and then we call combination grafts where we use the tissue that's there and make it like a pouch and go to the palate and get go up under the epithelium, get some connected tissue and tuck it in there. And it's, it's a procedure that uh, can cover roots, single roots or multi-teeth. Sometimes when a patient says, you know, I don't like the looks of it, and they got the, maybe they strike out two or three. They got that thick biotype, that sort of pink, thick tissue along the neck of the tooth, but it's receded. We can take that tissue and bring it up on the tooth. There's a lot of parameters that we're looking at. Tissue's got to release, and it's got to be able to sit there comfortably so it doesn't pull back into position. But those are the three main ones, unattached, lateral, and then a repositioned one. And a the combination ones where we sometimes want to beef it up, we, we put two graphs in there. Gotcha. So 
the different method that you use really just depends on essentially what's available to you with the patient. Exactly. And, you know, using the laser protocol with for free soft tissue grafting, it heals faster. I use the laser light to begin my incisions, and um, it uh, d- they don't have as much hemorrhaging or bleeding. You know, there's always a little bit of bleeding, but it clots pretty quick. It also depends on what kind of medication they're taking. But uh, using the laser protocol with grafting speeds up the healing, less bleeding, they heal faster. Yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit more about the treatment involved with a gum graft. What does a, a session look like, and what does the maintenance look like after you've had this done? Yeah, yes. The um, patients are asking me all the time, when can I start brushing? I always tell them, you know, give me at least 10 days before you go on vacation. 10 to 14 days, you're back to normal. But that first week, you, you just you eat on the opposite side. You don't brush it. You don't look at it. It's got to be quiet. And as far as telling patients afterwards, I said, go home, go read Moby Dick. Don't go go out jogging six miles that <laughs> afternoon. You know, chill out, get work on your computer. Next day, you're fine. But it will t- affect how they eat for about seven days for sure, seven to 10 days, uh, eat softer stuff and eat on the other side and don't look at it. I said, don't go home, pull your lip down, show you know, your significant other what it looks like. You don't want to do that. It's going to be okay. And it's rare that, you know, that we, you know, that that graft will dislodge early, but it's, it's amazing. It doesn't happen very often seeing how you got tongue and muscle and food but we sure to make sure that it's, it's sutured in nicely. We do use sutures to, you know, uh, tie it down, and there are different suture techniques for that to make it stable. But um, they've done studies where um, they will take graphs and, and they use animal research, thank the Lord. <laughs> but they'll put graphs on and take them off after 24 hours. 48 hours, 72 hours. And what we found is that the graft has been on at least three days. It seeds enough that where that gum was thin, it'll be thick. It seeds it enough after three days. It, even though the graft may be knocked off or slough off early, generally after three days, it's, it's, you're going to have a, a, a result that will help prevent further recession. As we're going through our daily routines with cleaning and flossing, I guess maybe we should spend some more time looking at our gums. Is there anything in particular that we should be on uh, on the lookout for? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, definitely, the I always recommend an extra soft brush. I tell my patients to brush four times a day, and sometimes I, you know, the people say you're gonna you're gonna brush the gum away. Well, you're using an extra sensitive, extra soft brush. You're not gonna do that. I've been doing this a long time. I've never seen anybody lose their tooth by brushing too much. <laughs> And so that extra soft brush is key. And, and um, yeah, I mean, they, if, if, if there is increased sensitivity or, you know, they notice there is going to be what we call passive eruption. You know, over time, the gum is going to seek a certain level. And that's what I look at when I do my exam. Is this passive eruption going to continue? You have active eruption when the tooth comes into the arch and the baby tooth falls out and, once that root's formed completely, it's timed perfectly, then as it comes through the gum, it's like a sleeve. And it's, once the active eruption stops, then you get passive eruption. And it may change. It can be due to clenching and grinding. So those issues of the peripheral things that I look at, is, is this going to continue? And is there a occlusal trauma where the way the teeth fit together? That's why when the patients go through orthodontic therapy, it's 
probably a good thing because they're getting the forces of occlusion correct. But you know, is there a, a clinching component you know, that you know may go through a period of stress and then all of a sudden they notice that the gums are receding a little bit? And that's important if a patient notices it. You know, if they feel like, oh, what I'll do is take photos and I'll say, I think you're going to be fine. Come back in six months, we'll take more photos. But if I do think, particularly if there's an inflammatory component to it and they're bleeding a little bit, um, you know, we need to get that inflammation under control and then determine if that's a factor that this will be ongoing, you know, particularly if they notice it. And that's why it's so important to go see a professional because I don't think on the outset that we would often associate something like clinching with that because, you know, you've got the experience and the knowledge and you're going to ask the right questions. But uh, as patients, you know, that, those are probably things that we don't really think of. No. Uh-uh. And, and, and they, you know, sleep apnea is a factor too because um, – Part of your body being able to open the airway is clenching. Clenching is a tension release mechanism, but also as a sequela of sleep apnea. Acid reflux, acid pH, those things, um, acid reflux can affect the, if the character of the tissue is thin. It can not only cause enamel erosion, but it also can affect the gingival tissue health as well. So, you know, these factors, having a dentist on board, you know, to be able to check them out periodically to make sure that, you know, there's it's not progressing and taking photos is a good thing to do this day and age years ago i would take photos before and after surgeries because that's the way i was trained and now we take photographs on everybody you know just because you know somebody says yeah i think this is different and we'll take a photo and say you know you're okay and um it's 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 comforting for them to know that you know okay i'm i'm I do think I feel like something's going on, but it's stable and we can show them. Yeah. And having that proof as a patient, I would think is comforting as well because you know that, you know, a story's not being made up. You know, the, the proof is there to show you if treatment is required. Well, Dr. Singletary, we always end with a action step. What is our action step for today? Well, if you do think you, know, you have got recession going on, obviously go get a consult, go see your dentist, see a paradise, but you know, have somebody look at it and say, hey, I think this is going on. But do be aware of tenderness, bleeding, swelling, bad taste. Um, anytime there's tenderness, there's, there's potential for recession because if there's inflammation, it's going to affect the gum tissue attachment. So don't ignore it and, um, and just be aware of it is a habit change, brushing four times a day. But most likely, not only will the gum tissue health be better, you will see a little bit of shrinkage with more efficient oral hygiene. That's a sequela of removing the bacteria and gums getting healthier. Well, those are steps that we can all take, and we can also be on the lookout for those symptoms. And as you said, make sure we don't ignore them. Act on them if that is something that you notice. Well, that will do it for us today. On behalf of Dr. Macon Singletary, I am Jason Kong, and you have been listening to The Gum Guru. If you want to know more about ways to make sure your smile is healthy and information on whether you need a gum graft or schedule an appointment with Dr. Singletary, check out their website at NorthRaleighPerio.com. If you have other questions you'd like to have answered on the Gum Guru podcast, send them to contact at NorthRaleighPerio.com.